0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 52 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is of course a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if this is your first episode, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at sir D R J M jm on all socials so why not give me a follow reach out to me over especially on twitter i'd love to interact with you there uh questions comments concerns topics for the show overwatch related not overwatch related i don't care ask me anything and if i want to i will talk about it on the show and i'll give you a shout out of course because i want to engage with you now you can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there spotify apple podcast google podcast etc etc so give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz, and of course, uh, download and listen to One Man Watchpoint. Once again, I'm Sir Dr. JM. that's Sir DRJm. and I would love to have you. Now, if you are an avid listener of the show, first of all, thank you to all five of you. but you would, of course know that uh, I've been, on a bit of a hiatus for the last little while. Of course, I was uh, packing up my house as we were moving to another city, and then shortly after that, we took off on vacation for a couple of weeks, and then directly after that, I was invited to fill in for Chris Lightforce over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. So, of course, if you listened to Ready, Set, Pwn the past couple of weeks, you would have heard my sultry voice uh, as I was on the most recent two episodes with their host uh their other host sorry omni um and him and I had an absolute blast over there but I felt like it was time I got back to one man watchpoint so here we are first episode of one man watchpoint in my new place on my own again flying solo but of course there were some big big stories over the past 2 weeks now I'm not actually going to cover those stories right now because we've got a number of things to get through here. It's late, and I want to get to bed, honestly, but I didn't want to go another week without an episode of One Man Watchpoint. So if you're interested in my thoughts on things like um, uh, the most recent game that Toronto played and, uh, of course, the end of their season, as well as the end of a few other team seasons uh, and the start of uh, setting up the schedule for playoffs, go check out Ready, Set, Pwned um we talk about a number of things we talk about the games that happened but of course we also talk about the big news with uh the next season of the overwatch league being played of course on a beta version of overwatch Two Two Two. so anyways if you're curious my thoughts on that i mean i'm sure it'll come up tangentially here and there as uh we record more episodes of one man watchpoint but Go check out Ready, Set, Pwn. Of course, uh, support them as you support me, because ultimately I want to build up the community no matter where that is. So, head over there, and of course, tell them Sir J M sent you. Now, we're back to One Man Watchpoint. I'm back in the One Man Watchtower, and I'm ready to get itching. Uh, wow, I'm ready to get itching. Nope, I'm itching to get back into One Man Watchpoint. So, without further ado, let's Dive on in. Now, I should also mention that I still don't have my actual recording station set up and everything. I'm very mobile right now, moving around the house and everything as we get, you know, some things wired and stuff like that. So again, I'm not recording on my regular uh, recording station. And once again, I still don't have my transitions. So uh, yeah, you're just going to get dead air for my transitions, um, you know, for half a second or a couple seconds kind of thing. But you know what? Deal with it, baby. Okay, now onto the news. Our first news story comes from Forbes.com, an article by Chris Holt on September 7th, exactly a week ago as of recording, and it reads like this. Overwatch League All-Stars skins are back for a limited time. The Overwatch League isn't hosting an All-Stars weekend this year for what should be obvious reasons after the last 18 months. With no real event to commemorate, Overwatch designers haven't made new new All-Stars skins, That's perfectly understandable, but perhaps to make up for it, Blizzard is bringing All-Star skins from the past years out of the Vault and making them available for a limited time. You'll have until September 26th, bracket the day after the Overwatch League 2021 Grand Finals, to unlock the following skins. 2018, Atlantic All-Stars Tracer. 2018, Pacific All-Stars Genji. 2019, Atlantic All-Stars Mercy. 2019, Pacific All-Stars Lucio. 2020, Gaia Reinhardt and 2020, Celestial Diva. They require you to fork over 200 OWL tokens, which costs around $10 in real money. Alternatively, you can earn tokens just by watching live OWL playoffs and Grand Finals matches, or official replays. The All-Star skins are built around elemental and themes to reflect players from the Atlantic and Pacific Divisions bracket, now East and West, squaring off against each other. In 2018, the Fire and Water theme led to a Lava-style skin for Genji and an Aquatic-centric getup for Tracer. The following year, Blizzard released great Sun and Moon themed All-Star skins for Lucio and Mercy respectively. And in 2020, it was the turn of the tanks to get the All-Star skins with the gorgeous Celestial Diva and Gaia Reinhardt looks. It's the second time this year Blizzard has brought Overwatch League skins out of the vault and let fans snap them up. Last month, it unvaulted some Championship and MVP skins for a limited time. Along with bringing back the all-star skins and fixing some bugs, today's Overwatch patch introduces some other updates to the live game. The handy custom game filters Blizzard tested on the PTR last month are now available to everyone with the latest season of competitive 3v3 lockout elimination underway. So, of course, uh, you know, another uh, sort of the second time they've done this now, as noted in the article there by... Was it Chris? I believe it was Chris, right? Yeah, Chris. Um releasing some skins that were previously vaulted there that, uh, you know, were only available for a limited time in their respective years, 2018, 2019, and 2020. Um, but great for those of us who weren't necessarily following the league early on. So I, of course, am in that boat. Last year, I did get both the 2020 Gaia Reinhardt and the 2020 Celestial Diva skin, um, because I had enough tokens from watching the Overwatch League. However, I did, of course, miss out on the 2019 Atlantic All-Stars Mercy and 2019 Pacific All-Stars Lucio skins, simply because at the time, uh, I didn't have enough tokens. I could have swore I was watching a ton of Overwatch League, but I just didn't have enough skins, uh, so I didn't want to spend them on that, knowing that there was going to be an MVP skin and a uh, championship skin for the winning team coming out. So I saved my tokens for that. But looking at the list, um, if they're 200 each, that means I need 400. And I know I currently have a little over 300. So as long as I watch some playoffs, I'll be able to get both of those. And then, of course, the 2018 Atlantic All-Stars Tracer and 2018 Pacific All-Stars Genji skins, I did not get either because I wasn't actually following the league at the time. However, um, again, you know, if you if round up and say I have 400 now, that gets me the 2019 skins uh, as long as I've got my uh, player going and connected to my Blizzard account or my battle.net account, I should be able to earn enough to get all four of these skins. That's 800 tokens, of course. And the only catch to that is there's probably going to be a championship skin for whichever team wins the league. However, um, that's usually not released until the following year, so we've got plenty of time to uh, earn that or earn, earn enough tokens to purchase that one as well. Uh, but nonetheless get in there before September 26th and get your skins. Um, I actually haven't even had a chance to set up most of my gaming rigs and stuff like that. So alas, I have not been playing games at all lately. Uh, No Overwatch, no nothing. Um, But I do want to get in there. I will get in there before the skins get vaulted again and pick those up. Now, our next story is going to take us over to everyone's favorite with an article posted on September 9th by Jess sorry Jessica oh my goodness I can't even say Jessica and that's her first name Jessica Scharnagel an author I have never read on the show before but I have to assume uh started employment or started freelancing with .esports over the past month so welcome Jessica the article reads earn skins and sprays by watching the 2021 owl playoffs From September 21st through the Grand Finals on September 25th, Overwatch League fans can earn sprays by watching any of the 14 matches taking place. As usual, every hour of watch time will award players five League tokens when they view matches on any of the available platforms. In addition, the Overwatch League has released some nifty rewards for those who watch more than nine hours of Owl matches during the playoffs and more than two hours of the Grand Finals match. The grey owl skins have been given out before as all-access pass perks and as rewards for watching each monthly tournament, but this is the first time a large number of the grey skins have been available in such a short amount of time. Owl Playoffs Watch Time Perks From September 21st to 24th, Fans can watch owl matches and receive a set of three owl skins. At three hours of watch time, viewers will receive Reinhardt, Soldier 76, and Torbjorn skins. At six hours, they'll get an additional or they'll get additional skins for Junkrat, Roadhog, and Sombra. And at nine hours, they'll earn Doomfist, Hanzo, and McCree skins. Grand Finals watch time perks. For the Owl Grand Finals on September twenty fifth, fans can earn a unique Grand Final spray featuring Tracer, Lucio, Genji, Zenyatta, Diva, and Hammond. After one hour of view time, fans can earn Orisa, Farah, and Symmetra skins. Two hours of view time will grant the viewer the Genji, Moira, and Reaper Owl skins, as well as one hundred league tokens, which is enough to buy one new Owl team skin in the shop. How to watch the Owl Grand? Uh, playoffs and grand finals the owl playoffs take place from september 21st to 23rd at 6 p.m ct and september 24th at 8 p.m ct the grand finals will start on september 25th at 8 p.m ct matches between the west region teams commence earlier than the matches involving the east region teams on each of the playoff days matches can be viewed on the owl youtube channel the owl website and on the owl app so, more exciting skin announcements. Um, now, of course, if you've been following this season, you know about these sort of uh, black, gray, uh, and orange sort of Overwatch League-themed uh, colored skins that they have been uh, releasing for watching the tournaments, as Jessica mentioned in her article there. Um, however, in the past, it's always been one. Uh, so I think the first one we got was Ana, maybe uh, something like that. I know we got a Diva one at one point, maybe, maybe a May one. I could be imagining that, but anyways, I know we got an Ana one. And honestly, I was a little bit disappointed in that being the chosen one. Um, little did I know that they obviously had this plan for the, uh, the, to really sort of help give finals that, uh, bump in viewership, hopefully, uh, that they're looking for to really show off what the league can be. So, Anyways, the potential to earn 15 skins over this whole time is literally awesome. I don't know why... Yeah, 9 at Grand Finals. No. Mm. 9 skins by watching playoffs and Grand Finals. I've read somewhere that it's like 15 skins total. Did I, did I count that out properly? Let's see. Uh, okay, 3 skins. 3 hours gets you 3. 6 gets you 6. 9 gets you 9. Oh, hey, that, that kind of works out. And that's just the playoffs and then the grand finals. So so there's 12... Oh, no. Nope. 12 is the Orisa, Farah Symmetra. And then the next one, Kenji... Okay, yeah, so it is 15 skins total. Sorry, I don't know why I didn't do that math ahead of time. I read another article that said it was 15, and then for some reason in this one, they, they mentioned 9 and not the total. And anyways, I confused myself. But I digress. Exciting stuff. Um, I'm always in for more skins and more rewards just for watching, especially because I'll just put it on the iPad, leave the iPad on for the games that I don't care about, leave it plugged in so it doesn't die, and there you go, I get all my skins. Anyways, let's move on. Next article, we are actually going to stick DotEsports.com this time. Uh, we actually also have an article by Jessica Sch- Scharnagel, I'm going to get used to that, Scharnagel, uh, posted on September 9th, which reads, Houston Outlaws KSF retiring from Overwatch League due to medical issues. And the article reads like this. Houston Outlaws Flex DPS player Kyle KSF Frandanisa is retiring from competitive overwatch, citing medical issues that caused compl- complications in his ability to practice with his team. KSF started his career with the Los Angeles Valiant before shifting to the Outlaws for the 2021 season. In his twit longer announcing the retirement, he said medical issues complicated things early on in the season and that the issues continued intermittently during the season and impacted his ability to practice with the team and individually. As for what's next for KSF, he stated his intent to take a break from competitive gaming and return to streaming. Although he said he is unsure what his future will look like, he reacted with perhaps to a request from ex-Owl player Shane Rockus flaherty about switching to Valorant. KSF came to the Outlaws after he was released from the Los Angeles Valiant. The veteran DPS has been playing in the Owl since the inaugural season, and is one of the few players left who has stayed in the league this long. Before the Owl, he competed in many professional Overwatch tournaments for such teams for teams such as Envision Esports and Simplicity. He also competed in 2019 in the Owl World Cup for the United States. Fans of KSF can get a glimpse of him as he returns to streaming while he contemplates his next move in his professional career. Career, career. So wanted to highlight that one, um, of course, you know, uh, over the past off season and sort of leading into the season, we saw a lot of retirements. We saw a lot of uh, forced retirements by players not being signed and things like that. Um, but now as the uh, season comes to a close and as teams are eliminated, uh, we are going to, of course, be seeing a little bit of that again um, with players retiring and things like that. Uh, what What's a little bit surprising is that we don't see sort of players, well, I guess in this case, it's medical reasons, so that's probably why KSF is making the jump now. I would assume in this offseason, we're actually going to see a little less people announcing retirement, given many of them will be sort of holding out for Overwatch 2. In a lot of ways, it it could easily be sort of a, uh, uh, I mean, it will reinvigorate the scene for sure. And, of course, could breathe life into some players that, uh, you know, maybe have lapsed and things like that and might be looking to jump back in or find a new team or get signed uh, signed again in the first place kind of thing. So, anyways, we wish all the best to KSF. Certainly a skilled player. Um, was happy to see him get picked up after everything that happened with Los Angeles Valiant. Um, exciting to see him get picked up by Houston, which, for all intents and purposes, had a pretty stacked team this uh, this season. Um, unfortunately, now with, with their road coming to an end, KSF is also, KSF's, uh, career is also coming to an end for now. Moving on from there, we're going to jump over to Dexerto.com. And now, uh, with this one, I'm actually going to read three different stories here. Uh, the first one is going to be posted by Brad Norton on September 10th, the second by Michael Guilliam on September 10th, and the third one, again, Brad Norton on September 14th. But they're all kind of linked, they're all actually stemming from the same, uh, sort of post or news story that broke, uh, but they've obviously broken this out into three different articles. So I'm just going to go from one to the other. I'll mention when I when I switch. Actually, I'll talk a little bit about the first, then I'll switch, then I'll talk a little bit, switch, talk about Anyways, I digress. First article, Overwatch 2 devs defend major tank roll changes, confirm D.Va and Winston buffs. With Overwatch 2 tr- trimming team sizes down to just five players, the tank roll is taking a major hit as a w- only one is allowed per side. Though Blizzard has now defended this uh, drastic shift and revealed some hefty buffs on the way for fans, For fan favourites like D.Va and Winston. Although it's been a while since we've seen anything new on Overwatch 2, the community is still going back and forth over changes announced in May. During the last gameplay showcase, Blizzard confirmed the sequel is swapping from 6v6 to 5v5 gameplay. As a result, tanks were cut down, with only one allowed per team moving forward. This fundamental shift completely alters the core experience players have grown accustomed to over the years, and naturally, there's been a great deal of concern. Looking to defend the radical decision, Overwatch community manager Andy Belford took to the Blizzard forums with an explanation, along with some big announcements, justifying tank role changes in Overwatch 2. By the time Overwatch 2 launches, players will have more than six years of tank experience under their belts. With two tank heroes in every game, there come certain playstyles, tendencies, and metas. In the future, the Overwatch experience will be entirely different with just one half of the tank power. This means no, quote, double shield, and thus a new responsibility in the field. Rather than serving as, quote, push-leading protectors, tanks in Overwatch 2 will have another purpose. A shift to just one tank, quote, opens an avenue for them to focus more on getting in the opposing team's face and pressuring with damage and disrupting enemy lines, Belford explained. Rather than leading the charge and keeping teammates alive, tanks are now more engaged with teamfights. As a result, quote, each player needs to be more careful about the way they position themselves. Without two massive shields to hide behind, quote, flanking becomes more potent becomes a more potent strategy, end quote. The overall flow of combat is rendered completely different, as quote, maps are being used to their fullest, end quote, in Overwatch 2. So that is uh kind of the the first oh, is that not the end of the article? Oh, that's not the end of the article. Hold on. Reinhardt, D.Va, Winston, and Wrecking Ball buffed in Overwatch 2. But with such drastic changes to the core pillars of Overwatch comes some equally drastic hero changes. Characters from six years ago can't exactly keep up with this enormous, or enormous, enormous shift in gameplay. Thus, many popular picks are being rebuilt. For tank heroes with, quote, overwhelming team defensive capabilities, such as Reinhardt, these will be buffed with direct improvement to, quote, damage and utility, Belford confirmed. These changes come at the cost of their, quote, group protection abilities however similarly tanks rooted in mobility will have their utility improved along with various additional buffs certain heroes like diva wrecking ball and winston will all gain more defensive stopping power he added these changes allow the lone tank to hero to function as more of a flex pick in overwatch 2 rather than sticking as a purely defensive role tanks can flip between quote offensive impact and being a defensive bulwark With such significant changes, it remains unclear how far along the development process may be. Dexerto's latest reports indicate an early build may be used in the 2022 Overwatch League season, though a full public release window is yet unknown. So obviously there's quite a bit to dissect there, um, but an important article nonetheless because over on the Blizzard forums, um, uh, Andy Belford, of course, sort of spilling the beans on a lot of this stuff and how they're approaching uh, changing this role given the switch from 6v6 to 5v5. So of course it's no shocker once uh, once they announced the 5v5 switch and of course that the off, well in theory air quotes, the off tank role was being cut. Uh, it's no surprise that there is radical change here. Now what's sort of the most interesting is that many people thought to themselves, okay, well, the off-tank role is now gone, when realistically, in my mind, it's more of a question of the off-tank role has merged with the main tank role, simply meaning these characters aren't going to function the same as they used to. Um, You know, that, that, that may seem obvious, but I think you take it at face value, and it, beco- it it's very much a question of well, how can D.Va be a main tank? How can Roadhog be a main tank? Um, you know, some of these popular uh, or less than popular um, off tank heroes. How can they really take the brunt of the damage like a main tank like Reinhardt or Winston does? And the answer here is basically they're they're reworking all of them. Right? They have to make them. They have to make all of the tank characters uh, playable in such a way that they all fulfill the role of the tank, which ultimately they are kind of redefining here, um, which which is why I say it's not so much getting rid of the off-tank as it's sort of merging the main tank and off-tank roles together. Um, obviously, they, they talked about a number of things here. There's not going to be any double shield, which, duh, because there's not going to be two tanks with shields um, on the field at the same time, um, rather than serving as push leading protectors they will have another purpose a shift to one tank opens an avenue for them to focus more on getting in the opposing team's face and pressuring with damage and disrupting enemy lines so to me this kind of looks like um a lot of the more defensive abilities that these characters had might be a little bit nerfed but their offense is going to be buffed significantly in order to make them uh sort of more of that main focus, or or more disruptive, right? Um, it will be very very interesting to see how this all balances out. Uh, just you know, given the survivability that some of these tanks currently have, and given what survivability they might have come Overwatch Two. So. Um, lots of, lots of interesting stuff here. Again, they talked about tanks, quote, rooted in mobility, having their utility improved. So to me, that says, you know, some of these tanks, uh, Wrecking Ball is a good example. Um, Diva is a good example. Even Winston in some ways is a good example as well. Tanks that are rooted in mobility, AKA, uh, picks that are generally speaking good for dive, um, will have their utility improved. So to me, that says, um... They're gonna hit harder, honestly. Uh, they they might have um, better they they mentioned defensive stopping power here, which to me, kind of it it could be interpreted as better shields. But I think in this uh, in this post, they actually also talked about shields being less playing less of a role, so I don't wanna say that. Um, seems more like they'll they'll just be able to disrupt more. they'll be able to uh, rather than being simply a dive tank who dives in. Does what he needs to, and then dives out. He'll be able to dive in, hold his own a little bit longer uh, before maybe diving out or making another chain, another choice kind of thing. So, let's move on to the second article there over on Dexerto.com. This one uh, reads: Devs tease huge Overwatch 2 reworks to Doomfist, Tracer, and Wrecking Ball. Fans As fans anxiously await news of Overwatch 2 beta announcement, the game's developers have revealed some big news about changes coming to existing heroes. Overwatch 2's switch to 5v5, as opposed to the current model of 6 per team, was met with backlash, but the devs defended the decision to have teams only consist of one tank. The major gameplay change means that tanks will be getting some serious buffs as showcased during the PvP livestream. However, it's not just the tanks that will be on the receiving end of some huge overhauls. In a series of posts on the official Blizzard forums, community manager Manager, Andy B delved into some of the changes being made in Overwatch 2, internal playtests, and reworks for existing heroes. Big hero reworks planned for Overwatch 2. In a reply to a concerned fan over nerfs to crowd control abilities and increased mobility power creep, Andy explained that this was something that the devs were paying close attention to. Quote, so far, we've seen that heroes like Doomfist, Wrecking Ball, and to some degree Tracer, will need to be rebalanced and maybe even nerfed to make sure they're not super overpowered in the new meta, he revealed. This isn't exactly surprising, as all three of the heroes have some of the best mobility in the game, and with crowd control being nerfed, such as May's primary fire, fire only slowing, not freezing, it would be best to tone them down. How the devs go about reworking heroes such as Tracer in another story... Uh, is another story, sorry, considering mobility is such a key part of her kit. Her three blinks have become ingrained into skilled players' muscle memory, and limiting her to two or raising their cooldown could easily have a negative impact. Quote, "'Changes like the ones we've discussed in the PvP livestream and here in this thread are incredibly complicated. They have far-reaching ramifications throughout the game,' he added, acknowledging the significance of such a rework." He also addressed how removing some crowd control abilities could impact the game's enjoyment for players. Quote: It remains to be seen to be seen how removing CC and utility from certain damage heroes will impact their perceived quote funness of those abilities being used by tanks and supports in the future. That's a fair concern and one that we'll be paying close attention to as we develop Overwatch 2. Finally, he noted how the team is factoring in new heroes for internal playtests, responding to fa- to a fan asking just that and replied without going into detail dot, dot dot yes this is actually quite interesting because the next season of the overwatch league is set to begin on an early build of overwatch 2 in april as such it seems like some new heroes could be playable by then blizzard has yet to announce when an Overwatch 2 beta will begin, but as Dexerto reported, internal sources from within the company have said that the goal is to is to have the sequel out before summer of 2022. Hopefully, all these recent comments by devs will result in more news in the coming weeks, and we can finally mark our calendars for a beta release sometime soon. So there you have it. That's the discussion around the damage heroes, uh, particularly referencing some of the uh, mobility again and uh, I guess mobility and lack of mobility when it comes to the crowd control abilities of some heroes. So an interesting discussion there, of course, because, uh, as they mentioned, you know, we've gotten used to the abilities of some of these heroes. And to me, it's, it's really, it's, it's going to, again, be an adjustment period, you know, I suspect some heroes will uh, remain largely the same, or at least to a casual audience will feel mostly the same especially for players who may have you know played the game early on and then left for a while um and are now returning to overwatch 2 there may be little noticeable difference in some heroes but like they mentioned in the article there um you know if you simply do something like extend the cooldown of tracer's blink ability maybe make it so each one uh takes a full second longer maybe even two seconds well even less than that half a second longer but maybe one to two seconds longer um to cool down before you can uh before you gain that blink back um you know that's going to mess with a lot of players who have potentially been playing this character for the past uh six years kind of thing um so it's just very interesting because there's so many ramifications to a simple change like that um and granted another interesting factor to consider in all of this Is that they're also they've already said that all of the current maps are going to be available in Overwatch Two or or you know work with the game. Um, So there's all the factors around you know map control and things like that, Um, especially different game modes. You know we're probably not necessarily going to have uh, the two CP maps returning, given they've said I think that two CP is no longer going to be into the game. Kind of surprises me that they would kill an entire game mode, but I digress. but anyways, there's there's so many different things to consider here, just how a character will move around the map, how it'll move around the space physically, um, as well as how it will work with other characters. You know, May being a, a good one to point out there, just because the uh, her primary fire will no longer actually freeze a character, it'll, it will only slow them, which, what effect does that have on abilities of that character? Could a character like Tracer blink out of that um, rather than being frozen in place? Um... Or something like that now i digress i'm i'm getting all over the place here but ultimately this uh this just highlights that you know given there are changes coming to the tanks you have to you have to understand that there are going to be changes coming to every character which leads us nicely into our next story overwatch 2 devs reveal brigitte rework support hero nerfs in major sequel overhaul Overwatch 2 is set to fundamentally change how Blizzard's popular hero shooter works with some drastic support hero nerfs in the pipeline, along with a complete Brigitte rework. With a shift from 6v6 down to 5v5, the entire Overwatch experience is undergoing some major adjustments ahead of the sequel. We already know tanks are in line for huge overwall. Heroes like Overhaul, sorry. Heroes like Tracer, Doomfist, and Wrecking Ball are all being reworked from the ground up, and now Blizzard has confirmed support hero changes as well. The entire role will function direct will function differently when Overwatch 2 arrives. Sweeping nerfs quote across the board will shake up the very foundations of Overwatch. Moreover, specific Overwatch 2 heroes, like Brigitte, will be completely different. As development continues behind closed doors, Overwatch Community Manager Andy Belford provided a new update on the Blizzard forums to reveal, quote, a ton of changes to the support role. First and foremost, Belford outright confirmed Brigitte won't be the same in Overwatch 2. The very basis of her kit, the controversial stun effect, will be removed from the support character altogether. Rather than nerfing or slightly altering her abilities, Blizzard is completely overhauling the hero. Despite this, quote, the playstyle of your favorite support heroes should feel similar, Belford reassured. There's no telling just yet, however, how the Overwatch 2 devs may accomplish that goal, considering heroes are being altered to such an extent. Beyond Brigitte, Overwatch 2 will feature more drastic changes to the support role in general. Quote, abilities like regener- regenerative burst and biotic grenade, end quote, were mentioned by name. For powerful tools of this variety, the devs confirmed they will all, quote, be tuned in Overwatch 2 furthermore as a result of having only one tank hero in the game blizzard found support heroes became quote too effective at keeping the entire team alive end quote in order to rebalance the entire flow of a match with 5v5 in mind the devs are currently quote tuning down healing output across the board end quote this means your favorite support heroes may not only appear with different abilities in overwatch 2 but also with different goals with With healing being scaled back for the entire role, supports will need to adapt their playstyles moving forward. Although Blizzard is yet to confirm an official Overwatch 2 release window, sources have informed Dexerto that the 2022 Overwatch League season may run on an early build of the sequel title. We should hear more about the upcoming release in the near future. So, as with the other two articles there that we read through, of course, this one just, again, highlights the fact that, you know, uh, pretty much... Nobody will be untouched, no stone unturned, so they say, you know. Um, Again, kind of a no-brainer in a lot of ways. I feel like originally when we were first kind of hearing about Overwatch 2 and theorizing about what it would entail and what would change and what would be new and blah, 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 I guess when it was first kind of announced or unveiled, a lot of the talk was about the fact that, you know, this game seemed more like maybe... Uh, an expansion pack than than anything. It didn't quite seem like uh, we needed the full sequel treatment for what they had unveiled. And I think uh, Blizzard kind of took a lot of flack for that. But given everything we know now, um, especially with the shift, obviously, to 5v5, um, it's obviously only become more and more apparent that this is a completely different game. You know, it may be may have similar heroes, or it will in a lot of cases it'll have the same heroes. It may have a lot of the same maps if if maps do carry over uh, as Blizzard has suggested. Um, but realistically, I see most characters playing differently than they did in the past. I see Overwatch 1 uh, or Overwatch Classic, if you will, becoming uh, much more of its own experience, and Overwatch Two really building and iterating on all of that, which is nothing new in video games. Of course, you know a lot of the times, video games, as opposed to uh, film and television, the sequel is often the better uh, game. Uh, the the classic example that almost everyone uses to illustrate that quite well is Assassin's Creed One to Assassin's Creed Two, which Assassin's Creed 1, sure, uh, you know, say what you will about it, it had some good features, but it was very repetitive. It had a lot of the same thing over and over again, a lot of the same style. A lot of the systems weren't really that built, that fleshed out. And when it came to Assassin's Creed 2, uh, they really took that sort of Assassin's Creed 1 foundation and they built on it, they improved on it, they changed a lot, but you could still see how the uh, sort of roots had been planted in. Uh, Assassin's Creed 1. And I largely think that Overwatch 2, now with everything we know, with all the changes to the gameplay style and everything, Overwatch 2 is really taking that foundation that Overwatch 1 had and iterating on it, developing it, growing it, extending it further. You know, seems kind of counterintuitive given we're switching from 6v6 down to 5v5, but so much is changing because of that in a lot of ways and to expand on the experience that overwatch one was um obviously not only with the inclusion of a single player i guess not single player of a cooperative pve mode um but also with all of the reworking that has to be done and character changes that have to be done um you know new maps and everything like that there's just so much more there that i think it's really become clear that uh that Overwatch 2 is in fact going to be a full-on uh, iteration or uh, or uh, step up from from Overwatch 1. So anyways, that article or, or those articles in combination with each other just kind of illustrate that, uh, you know, nobody is safe and uh, there's going to be a lot of changes coming with Overwatch 2. So, I mean, hey, all we can do at this point is buckle up, look forward to it, Hope it hope it all works out, and of course, uh, cross our fingers that we're gonna get that uh, long sought after and rumored uh, uh, Overwatch 2 beta soon. And hey, I'm you know I'm just throwing it out there. But if uh, if anybody has connections, you know, Overwatch 2 beta, especially especially console, but regardless, anything beta, I'm more than happy to volunteer the one man watchpoint services. So you know, hit me up, hit me up. Anyways, with that. That brings us to the end of our news section of the show. So I think now we're going to jump on over and we will take a look at our power rankings with our good friend IBM's Watson. All right. So I wanted to take a look at the power rankings with IBM's Watson because it's been a pretty significant amount of time since we last did this i don't believe i did this on the last episode of one man watch point um which of course would have posted let's just take a quick peek when did that post uh august 15th wow so uh, a month ago um you know when when this posts it will be exactly a month ago um Interesting. But I mean, I guess I posted that episode, that was the kind of bonus surprise episode, because I wasn't even going to do that episode. And then I did manage to find some time before, uh, before the move before vacation and everything. And then I was gone for two weeks on vacation. And then I had uh, two weeks with Ready, Set, Pwn. And then of course, uh, jumped on over to uh, back into the one man watch point, of course, and here we are. Now, anyways, I digress, it's been a while since we looked at IBM's power rankings. So I want to do that because this is a good glimpse into sort of some of the teams and players before we move into the actual playoffs, which, of course, as we've talked about many times, kick off, I believe, September 21st, which will be a little less than a week out from posting of this episode. So let's see what we've got. First, we are going to start off with the tank roll and looking at the top five uh, looks to be pretty steady as far as what I would expect to see. We've got Hanbin in the number one position with the Dallas Fuel, Fearless with the Dallas Fuel in number two. We've got Fate. In three and void in four, both with Shanghai Dragons, and then space with the LA Gladiators coming in at the fifth place position. And of course, if you look at their scores, uh, the two Dallas Fuel at the top are 128 and 127. The two Shanghai Dragons in number three and four are both tied at 125, and space comes in at 121. So, uh, not really anything unexpected there. Um, you know, uh, this is again. As I've talked about a number of times, the story of this season of the 2021 Overwatch League season has been the Dallas Fuel and the Shanghai Dragons. Now, Dallas, obviously, uh, you know, seeming to be or seemed to have started the season very, very high and uh, been on a bit of a downward spiral from there. I wouldn't say spiral. It's not like they're tanking. It's not like they're at the bottom of the league anymore or or again, but uh, they are, you know, Obviously, in the first tournament cycle, they they were the champions. In the second, they were second place. And in the third, they were knocked out. Before then, I believe they did actually come in third. So first, second, third. Um, and then in the fourth, they did not qualify. However, you know there was a bit of a talk there about them taking some time off, uh, letting their players rest up and everything before playoffs because they had already locked in their spot. Um, Shanghai having a little bit more of an arc, placing first and or placing second in the first. Uh, tournament cycle placing uh sorry second in the first and then first in the second and then i believe second in the third or did they win the third i can't quite remember let's just take a look here summer showdown where did they place they were uh playoff information no Uh, i i don't have it in front of me anyways i digress not important um but really This season has been about the dominance of Shanghai and Dallas, of course. Uh, Los Angeles Gladiators, of course, uh, climbing their way up there, having placed first in the Countdown Cup, um, and ultimately finally getting a tournament win for them, with the Atlanta Reign having a little bit of a lesser performance compared to where many thought they would be, um, and Hawk being in sixth place there in terms of the tank role. Other than that, we don't really have a ton of movement. Granted, we were towards the end of the season. The first through eighth spot have not changed. The nine through 13 are juggling around a tiny bit. Um, you know, one one spot, increase, decrease, you know, super moved up two in, into the 11th position. But then again, a lot of the movement that we're seeing after that is... Lower on the list, we do see Hotba and Mano, both with the Philadelphia Fusion, moving up three spots to 17th and 18th, respectively, with Fury for the Washington Justice moving into 19th, also up three spots. Granted, that's obviously on the backs of both those teams' recent success and qualifying for the playoffs as well. So that's what that looks like. Now let's jump over to the damage roll and see what's kicking over there. In the first place position, we have Lip coming in with a score of 122 on the Shanghai Dragons. Sparkle in number two. Uh, with the Dallas Fuel. Number three is Kevster with the Los Angeles Gladiators. Number four is Doha again with the Dallas Fuel, and number five is Pelican with the Atlanta Rain. So interesting stuff there. We've got two Dallas Fuel appearances: um, the one for Shanghai Dragons, the one for Los Angeles Gladiators, and then the one for the Atlanta Rain. Now, if we extend that out to sixth position, we do have Flutter with the Shanghai Dragons coming in at sixth as well. So two Shanghai Dragons in the top six there. Um, This one, a little bit more surprising. You know, again, Dallas Fuel staying on top. We've got number two and number four with Sparkle and Doha. And then number one with the Shanghai Dragons. And even, like I say, Atlanta having some success uh or or showing consistent success throughout the season uh has pelican placing fifth kevster placing third is a little bit surprising but again probably comes off the backs of uh their recent win in the most recent tournament cycle which was the countdown cup of course um and kevster being you know a dominant dps force in that tournament cycle outside of that um i mean we've got decay climbing three spots into seventh here again off the backs of the washington justice's recent success uh we also have assassin climbing to 15th um which well deserved there because of his um uh sort of redemption arc that he really had in the uh washington justice's most recent games um so good for him seeing that there and then actually interestingly enough in the 20th position we have Hisu climbing two places and 21st we have Carpe climbing two places now Carpe obviously Philadelphia Fusion qualifying for playoffs so that's where that's coming from Hisu is a bit more of an interesting one given uh, Toronto didn't qualify for playoffs but obviously Toronto did um and particularly hisu did really pop off in toronto's last probably two maybe three games there um so interesting that watson is you know recognizing that and and giving them the uh or giving hisu the credit that he deserves now we're going to move on to the support role where in first place we have Shu with the Los Angeles Gladiators number 2 is fielder with the Dallas field number 3 is Izhiyaki with the Shanghai Dragons number 4 is Iris with the Atlanta Rain and number 5 is Li with the Shanghai Dragons so you know yet again uh, similar story as all the other roles. This time around, we've got two Shanghai Dragons in 3 and 5. We've got the Dallas Fuel with Fielder in number 2. And then number 1, Shu with the Los Angeles Gladiators. Number 4, Iris with the Atlanta Reign. Interesting stuff there because um, you, know, you wouldn't necessarily expect to see the Los Angeles Gladiators topping things off. Um, you know, If we look at damage and tank, uh, tank space comes in at 5 and damage Kevster comes in at 3. But I guess that kind of shows how things balance out in a lot of ways. Shu probably, if I had to read between the lines, has is putting out a lot more healing than some of these other teams, um, which which elevates him to the top. However, his damage and tank counterparts aren't necessarily doing the same heavy lifting that uh, you know, or, or equivalent heavy lifting in their respective roles. So, so we definitely see that there. Um, and looking at the list overall. Um, you know, we actually this is a bit of an interesting one. If we drop down to thirteenth, we see Lastro with the Toronto Defiant climbing two spots, which again, Lastro likely doing a lot of the heavy lifting on the Toronto Defiant. Um You know, in combination with Hisu, seeing the two of them get a little bit of bump in the standings. Obviously, Watson recognizing some of the plays they're making and some of the skill they're demonstrating. So good stuff there. We also see Bebe in number 14, climbing three spots with the Washington Justice. Again, recent success. And closer with the Washington Justice, moving up three spots into 20. Again, Washington Justice, recent success, blah, blah, blah. As I've already mentioned a couple times. Now, we're going to switch over to the overall power rankings here to see what Watson thinks of everyone now that all of these games are complete, uh, including the, of course, the, the plans for the playoffs. And uh, let's see what he thinks overall. Overall, number one best, I, I, I guess you could say best player around is Hanbin with the Dallas Fuel in the tank role. Number two is Fearless, also with the Dallas Fuel, also in the tank role. Number three is Fate with the Shanghai Dragons, also in the tank role. Number four is Void with the Shanghai Dragons, also in the tank role. And number five is Shu with the Los Angeles Gladiators in the support role. So interesting that we see four tanks, um, off-tank, main tank, uh, at least for the Dallas Fuel, and then main tank, off-tank. Uh, showing up in the top four spots there. Um, Looking at the Dallas Fuel and the 1-2 spots, they are scored 128 and 127. And then Shanghai Dragons both scored 125, Fate and Void, uh, dropping down to number five, Shu with 123. So interesting stuff there, just in the fact of, you know, if you look at the actual roles here, obviously all of these players making those appearances. In fact, overall, the tanks one through four is exactly the same it's actually only shoe from the support side of things who jumps into fifth bumping space uh down to seventh and then there's a couple players in there obviously but interesting stuff um they've when you look at their their actual player cards here they do show a little bit of a scoring and how they were judged throughout the season so Week one, uh, Hanbin was rated 106 for whatever reason. Week three, he climbed to 135. And then week four, he actually peaked at 148. And from there, drops down a little bit, uh, continues downward just a tiny bit, peaks up a little bit, drops down a little bit, remains steady, drops down a little bit, and drops down just a tiny bit, but only ever to 128. So, um, you know, nothing... Really, this, this graph is a great representation of how steady Hanbin's been. Um, you know, he started off the season and he actually climbed uh, to a height that he never quite reached again, but he never really dropped that far from that either. Let's look at Fearless actually and see how he compares. Yeah, Fearless, very, 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 very very similar. Uh, not quite, or actually peaking higher than Hanbin but uh, also dropping farther than Hanbin, I believe, 127 versus 128. Yeah, so and again, interesting stuff, but very, very much follows the Dallas Fuel's season, right? They had their, their highest of highs early on, and they remained consistently great throughout most of the season, but, uh, but did trend ever so slightly downwards. If we look at Fate in the number three position, uh, Fate actually starting a little bit lower and and dropping even initially, but then a huge spike in week three going from 93 to 123 and then climbing from there into week seven where he placed 141, a a more steep drop from week uh, seven to eight where he drops to 119, but then steadily climbing back up and just remaining steady throughout the season. Um, And if we look at Void's, Uh, graph there. Very, very similar story. Again, following sort of the success of the Shanghai Dragons. If we look at Shu, Shu's is actually a little bit more uh, interesting given the Los Angeles Gladiators more rocky season. He started quite low with a 71, spiked up to 119, dropped a little bit there and hovered around the 100 mark until about week seven, when he climbed back up to that peak, uh, or very near that peak he had before with 119, and actually stayed up there and climbed even just a little bit higher than that and remained there for the rest of the season. So, interesting to see that. Um, I wouldn't have necessarily expected that from the Los Angeles Gladiators, given uh, how they didn't really perform super well most of the season. It wasn't until this final... um, tournament cycle that they really saw their success. So interesting stuff there. Now I'm actually just going to jump down to number nine with Hawk because I want to see his graph there. Very interesting. Starting out very, very low with 66, climbing up to a peak of about 121, and then remaining essentially steady right around there, plus minus one or two points for the rest of the season. And that, again, really reflects the Atlanta range season um, with their, their slow start, but then increase in performance uh there on out so so anyways that's kind of what the players look like if we scroll on down we'll look at the actual teams and dallas fuel sitting on top with 121 shanghai dragons sitting in second with 120 and from there los angeles gladiators 117 and atlanta reign in fourth 114 and the chengdu hunters tied for fifth with 111 uh, the the ties with the San Francisco Shock for 111 as well, so a little bit surprising there. Um, we'll we'll see what happens there. I think uh, San Francisco one to watch that's for sure. But uh, you know, when have they ever not been one to watch? And with that, that presents probably our final look at IBM's. Uh, the power rankings with IBM's Watson. Um, I don't think we'll bring them up again just as we move into playoffs and everything. But we do have one more thing we have to do on this show. And that is, of course, take care of our Pick'ems. So let's head on over and let's get pickin' for the playoffs. This is is the big one. This is for it all. Now, if I recall, uh, the Overwatch League is actually running a bit of a contest here. Um, I think you can get $10,000 if you predict the bracket correct, but if you get it exactly correct, then you actually get a hundred thousand dollars, which would be sick, but I digress. Let's take a look here. Okay. I'm logged in. So that's great. And let's see what we have here. Our first day of games is going to be absolutely positively insane in the membrane. And that is Tuesday, September 21st. So. Let's see, what's our first game here? Uh, we've got 7 p.m., 5 30 p.m., 4 p.m., 8 30. Okay, so I'm going to start. I'll just do them in the order that they're presented in the bracket here. So, 7 p.m., we have the San Francisco Shock taking on the Shanghai Dragons. Now, as much as I want to say that, uh, actually, I don't really have a want to say in this one. Um, for me, I've got to give it to the Shanghai Dragons. I think you honestly be a little bit crazy not to, um, you know, unless the Shanghai dragons have a slow start given they kind of pumped to the brakes a little bit towards the end of, uh, end of the season there. But I just don't think they're going to have that much of a problem. Um, I'll give it to Shanghai with a three, one knocking San Francisco down to the, uh, elimination bracket as, as, uh, as a tough opponent there. That's for sure. Now we then have well I mean I guess again these aren't in order so at five thirty we have the Philadelphia Fusion taking on the Los Angeles Los Angeles Gladiators and I think I've got to give it to L.A. because I don't think that Philly is gonna really have much much gumption in them if you will um although as much as I want to see Philly do well and I think they can I don't think the Gladiators are the team that they're gonna or 18, that they're going to be able to blast through. So I'm going to give it to Philly, 3-1 as well. Is that a coward's pick? No, I think that'll be a 3-1. Dropping down, uh, so in, in what is actually our first match of the day, we have the Washington Justice taking on the Dallas Fuel. This one's a bit of a tough one, just given... I don't know that we really know. Or I, I don't feel like we have a good gauge on the Dallas Fuel lately, um, given we know they pumped the brakes a little bit towards the end of the season there, and it's been so long since we saw them play. Um, I have high hopes, though, so I'm going to cross my fingers that they are you know grinding hard and really ready for this, and I'm going to give it to them in a 3 0 fashion. Now, that might be a little bit of wishful thinking. Uh, am I going to give it to them in 3 0? Washington, Washington, Washington! What a wild card Washington is because, you know, playoff decay shows up and forces his way in. This could be a closer match than that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hope that Dallas Fuel just steamrolls Washington again. That's a little bit of wishful thinking because I don't like Washington, but that's what I'm gonna put it as three zero. Next up, we have the Chengdu Hunters taking on the Atlanta Rain, and. I do think Chengdu is going to take this one. I think Chengdu has been another consistently good team this season. Um, And I think Atlanta has kind of, although they've also been consistently good, I think they've shown some weaknesses towards the end of the season here. And I think Chengdu can best them um, at most metas that Atlanta might try to play. So I'll give it to Chengdu. Do I want to give it... Mm. Uh, Just... Oh, man. I'm going to give it a 3-1 for Chengdu. I know, that's a lot of coward's picks there, but but I'm doing it. Okay, so then then we move on to Wednesday with our 4pm PT game of the Shanghai Dragons against the Los Angeles Gladiators. I'm going to give it to Shanghai again. I'm going to hope the Gladiators put up a good fight, though. Uh... Can they get two maps off shanghai though that's the question i just don't know uh, Shan- my worry with los angeles is that the fully prepared los angeles doesn't show up and we see them kind of flub things like they have a little bit throughout the season um so i'm going to give it to shanghai with with three and two i am going to give la the benefit of the doubt and say they do show up they do put up a good fight. And ultimately, Shanghai comes out on top because, uh, you know, spoilers, I think Shanghai's going to take it all. But I digress. Winners round two, Dallas Fuel versus the Chengdu Hunters. I am going to say here, I want Dallas to get revenge on the Chengdu Hunters, and I hope they've been studying them hard. I'm going to give it to Dallas three... 3-2, Three to two, another three to two, going for two five five uh, round matches here at four o'clock and then at five thirty. I'm just, I got a feeling, I got a feeling, you know, so I'm going to give it to them. Now the other two Wednesday games are of course the elimination round games where we have the San Francisco Shock taking on the Philadelphia Fusion, and unfortunately, oh man, that pains me to say, but I think San Francisco is going to take it, which means Philadelphia will be the first team. To not win a match at all in this uh, playoff run and you know what Would the, will they be the only one no they won't there will be one other in the next in the next game anyways three how badly will San Francisco beat Philly I'm gonna give Philly the benefit of the doubt say they get one map off San Francisco that said I don't know San Francisco I have, maybe I have too much faith in San Francisco, but I digress. Then at 8.30, our final game on Wednesday, the 22nd, we have the Washington Justice taking on the Atlanta Rain. in my mind, or in my bracket. And this is where I think Atlanta hopefully gives Washington the boot. This one, I could see being a toss-up. I could really see either of these teams winning. Atlanta and Washington, I think, are probably the two weakest teams in the playoffs. Philly might be the only third one. And don't get me wrong, these are all good teams, maybe with the exception of Washington. But still, I digress. Um, I'm going to give it to Atlanta and say they take it 3-2. to two. And that takes us into our Thursday games, where first we will watch the winner's final of the Shanghai Dragons against the Dallas Fuel, another another match for the ages, um, another rematch of those two teams. And once again, I've got to give it to the Shanghai Dragons. I'm going to say they take it 3 I'm going to say they take it 3-2, to two, that Dallas puts up a good fight. The only challenge there is that that gives Shanghai a fair amount of practice against the Fuel, which is worrisome. But anyways, let's take a look at our next Thursday games. So now on Thursday, so both Tuesday and Wednesday, we get four games, which is just madness. And then on Thursday, we drop down to three. So we have the one winner's match, and then we have two elimination rounds. Elimination round number two for two teams: the San Francisco Shock against the Chengdu Hunters. Mm, tough, tough man. I'm gonna give it to my good pals, the Chengdu Hunters. I'm gonna hope that San Francisco can take them to five, but I think Chengdu is gonna come out on top, just because Chengdu's been such a dominant force. Uh, I don't. I think Leave can can match or best uh, Glister Nero. Even Ons, Ons hasn't quite returned to form like I would have hoped he had. But I'm giving it to Chengdu. That's what I'm going to do. And then after that, we have the Los Angeles Gladiators taking on the Atlanta Reign. And I think Los Angeles beat the, beat Atlanta um, somewhat recently towards the end of the season there. And I just don't see Atlanta having what they need to uh, to beat LA again. And you know what, honestly from the round before this, Washington or Atlanta I don't think either of them could beat LA Gladiators. So I'm giving it to LA 3-0 in this round. I think that Atlanta might be kind of spent coming into this tournament. So I'm giving it to the Gladiators. That of course takes us to Friday where we have our elimination round 3, which is the Chengdu Hunters taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators by my bracket, of course. Oh, then that's a tough match. I really don't know who I think would win that. LA Gladiators versus Chengdu Hunters. I kind of think Chengdu will take that. Um, yeah, I don't know why, but I'm I'm just going with my gut on this one. I think Chengdu will take it, but I do think it's going to go to five. I think Gladiators won't want to lose. I think their determination and their grit will push them through, but I, I think that will be a very close match. And then directly after that, Chengdu has to play again against the loser from the day before in the winner's bracket, which I have as the Dallas Fuel, which means I think we've had this matchup before as well of the Chengdu Hunters. Versus the Dallas Fuel. Yep, this will be a rematch from the round two on Wednesday. And I'm going to stick with my original uh, assumption plan uh, pick. And say that Dallas takes it 3-1. to one. I think at that point, Chengdu playing back-to-back. Even coming off a win, I don't know that they'll be able to pull it out. So I'm going to give it to Dallas. And that, of course, sets us up for the a grand finals for the ages. A rematch, of course, of the May Melee. Um, as well as the Chunjoust Joust, actually. Uh, and that sets us up for the Shanghai Dragons against the Dallas Fuel, which I don't know how we got here because, you know, Dallas looking shakier than than they had at any point throughout the season towards the end of the season, even before they decided or announced that they were kind of, you know, taking things a little bit easy. So anyways, I digress. I think our grand finals final is going to be the Shanghai Dragons against the Dallas Fuel And, you know, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I think it's going to go to Shanghai. And I hope that Dallas brings their A game. And I really and truly hope that this goes to 7. I'm putting it down as a 4-3 for the Shanghai Dragons. Yep, I'm locking it in. I'm going to submit that. Where am I? Where am I? Yeah, my, my only real question about all of this or hesitation about all of this is the Chengdu Hunters. I could definitely see that uh, Wednesday Winners round match of the Dallas Fuel against the Chengdu Hunters. I could see Chengdu taking that, knocking Dallas down to the loser's bracket, but then Dallas making a run, facing off against Chengdu again because they'll no doubt lose to the Shanghai Dragons. I think this... this grand finals is very much going to be a question of can anyone beat the shanghai dragons i think without a doubt shanghai will make it to the finals i think the second place team is a bit of a toss-up uh could be chengdu just as easily as it could be dallas i really hope that dallas uh, comes prepared and shows up and still has it in them to uh to take on shanghai to adapt to shanghai but ultimately i mean i'm locking it in as a four three grand finals win for the shanghai dragons all right and with that that brings us to the end of episode 52 of one man watch point now i do want to thank everybody because 52 episodes if this was a weekly podcast would of course mean one year worth of episodes with one episode every week that of course is not the schedule we have stuck to given the off season we switched to uh every two weeks because there was a bit of a lack of news and things like that um and then obviously weeks off and and all sorts of stuff like that filling in on other podcasts etc etc but i digress thank you everyone if you are a listener um for a year's worth of podcasts um and of of listening and everything um it truly means the world to me if you are here with me listening every week and uh keeping up with me now once again that was episode 52 of one man watchpoint and overwatch podcast you can of course find this podcast on podcast services everywhere spotify apple podcast google Podcasts, etc cetera, etc cetera. so give us a follow leave us a review tell your friends um all that fun stuff, and of course, reach out to me on Twitter at Sir Doctor JM. That's Sir Dr JM, where you can follow me, reach out to me there, interact with me. I'd love to do things with the community um, or integrate topics and things like that from the community onto the show um, because that's always a good time. I'll catch you next week for episode fifty-three of Watchman. Watchman, one point. Nope, one man watchpoint. Uh, hopefully, things will go a little bit steadier, a little bit easier. Um, I'll be back in the swing of things. Hopefully this, this routine will be reestablished and everything, and it won't be, uh, so challenging for me to do things like start the show, which I had to restart about five times before recording this, but I digress. Thanks again for listening. I love you all and I'll catch you next week.